You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. John chapter 1. God bless you all for being here. Cell phones on silent, please. Let's make sure that we focus in. Verse 43. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee, and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him. Of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael, having never met Jesus before, asks, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. See, it seems just like, oh, it's just a, a, a usual answer. Maybe Jesus had walked by or something like that. But Nathaniel was greatly impressed. So I don't know if we're missing something here, but when you just read black and white, it seems like Nathaniel asks just a basic question, and Jesus gives a basic answer. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the son of God, thou art the king of Israel. And I love Jesus' response. Jesus answered and saith unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? That's good. (laughs) That's really good. Because you're about to read the rest of John and nobody believes him no matter what he does and no matter what he says. I mean, Nathaniel was just ready. So this is a good thing. The Lord isn't making fun of him. But he does say this. Thou shalt see greater things than these. I mean, buckle up, buddy. It's, It's about to get good. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Heavenly Father, bless the preaching of your word. Let it sink down deeply into our hearts. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Just before we get started here, what Jesus just said in verse 51 is a callback to Jacob's dream. Remember when Jacob had a dream and he saw heaven opened and there was a ladder And if you read in Genesis chapter 28, verse 12, he said on the ladder, he saw angels ascending and descending upon the ladder. And that ladder is something that bridged heaven and earth. And Jesus calls back to this dream, but there's no more ladder. The son of man has replaced the ladder simply saying, I'm that connection. I am that bridge. Very cool. We'll come back to that in just a little bit. But I want to use this passage here, verse 43 to 51, to correct a flawed mindset. And I've mentioned this a couple times just in passing since I've been here, but it's a flawed mindset that I have observed 
since I moved to this city almost eight years ago to the day, and I have observed this flawed mindset in myself, I've observed it in my wife at times, at, at one point. I've observed it in many of you, not all of you, but many of you. And I'm here tonight to tell you, as long as this flawed mindset continues, I'm not angry at you, you're not a terrible person. I'm not saying you, you don't deserve the love of God or the love of people or, or anything like that. I'm not saying you're gonna live a, a horrible life or that you're a terrible person. But as long as this flawed mindset continues, I will say this, we will struggle as a church to minister with joy and with longevity. I'm here tonight to kill this grass is always greener on the other side mentality. Now, let me make some statements about the grass always being greener on the other side. Eight statements about it. And if you're going to want to write these down, I'm going to go too quickly for you, okay? Statement number one, no matter where you are, there will always be an other side with greener grass. And that means statement number two, even if you make it to the other side, there will be an other side with greener grass. Statement number three, moving to the other side will never satisfy your lust of constantly looking at another side. Statement number four, the other side may be greener, but it could be because there's a sewage leak under it. <laughs> Statement number five, while you're complaining about where you are, someone else would give anything to be where you are. Statement number six, more people have ruined their lives by moving to the other side than by staying put. Statement number seven, if you move to the other side and you find out that you shouldn't, move back. And I'm saying that to some people that are watching live stream who have told me this, happen, this, this happens more, this has happened a handful of times since I've been here. Where somebody moves and finds out they shouldn't have, move back. One is not a fool who makes a mistake. One is a fool who makes a mistake and finds out it's a mistake and then doesn't do anything about it. One is a fool who makes a mistake but then lets their pride keep them in that mistake. And I've seen it a handful of times, more, more often than I'd like, where problems make people leave, and then their pride keeps them away, and their pride is a greater problem than the problems that made them leave. Statement number eight. Rather than moving to the other side, water the grass where you are. Now, there is enough help there to last you a long time. But this story of Jesus, Philip, and Nathaniel will perfectly illustrate 
the dangers of this flawed mindset, this flawed mindset that God is limited by geography. This flawed mindset that divine power can meet, be negated by an earthly place. This flawed mindset that a location's reputation can disqualify it from God ever working there. And I didn't hear this in Elgin. And I don't know if you've heard it, heard it elsewhere where you came from, but I, I hear it here. A location's reputation can disqualify it from God ever working there. Don't tell Nineveh that. Don't tell Corinth that. And don't tell Egypt that. Don't tell Babylon that. So consider this story with me. I'll show you what I mean and what it means for us. In John chapter 1, we are introduced to the incredible message that God became flesh, God himself became flesh in the person of Jesus, right? And we don't have to look, you can, you can, there's a lot of descriptors of Jesus in John chapter 1, the light that lights the world, the true light, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world, but you don't have to look any further than verse 43 to 51 to see who Jesus is. According to Nathaniel's own testimony, Jesus is the rabbi, which being interpreted master, he's the master. According to Nathaniel's own testimony, he's the son of God. That is not inferior to God. He is equal to God in every single way except by submission. But then also, he is the king of Israel. He's the ruler. He's the leader. He's, he's the sovereign, right? That's who Jesus is, according to Nathaniel's testimony. According to Jesus' own testimony, in verse 51, he says, I am the connection between God and man. I am the ladder between heaven and earth. I am the way for man to reach God and for God to reach man. I'm the mediator. I'm the daysman. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the connection. I'm the bridge. I'm the son of man, is what he says, which is a callback to Daniel's prophecy. And that is what made Philip so excited. When Philip goes up to Nathanael in verse 45, he said, we have found him. What does he mean by that? We have found the one whom Moses and the prophets wrote about. Amen. We have found the Messiah. We found the anointed one. We found the Christ. We found the chosen one. We found the one who is going to fulfill all prophecy. I mean, my goodness, it doesn't take much imagination, does it? to figure out why Philip would be so excited that he had to tell Nathaniel, we have found him, the one we've been searching for, the one mom and dad died looking for, and the one grandmama and grandpapa died looking for, and the one that we've dreamt about, and the one that we've prayed for, the one that John the Baptist has prepared the way for. He just said, behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. And when he said it, he pointed at this man named Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now stop. When Nathanael heard those words, he didn't jump for joy. He didn't sing. 
He didn't cry. He didn't say, well, my goodness, let's go see him. He asked a question about the place that Jesus came from. Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Now, Nathaniel meant one of two things by that question, possibly both. Both are a flawed mindset. He was either saying, number one, Nazareth is such a dump, nothing good could ever come from that place. Or perhaps he was saying, there's no way someone as incredible as the Messiah could be associated with a place so obscure and off the map and inferior as Nazareth. Now let's go ahead and address meaning number one, interpretation number one. Nazareth is such a dump, nothing good could ever come from there. If this is what Nathaniel meant, this is nothing but a straight up disparagement of the city itself, right? Which isn't difficult to believe because Nazareth didn't have a great reputation. Nazareth didn't even have a great reputation among Galileans, which Nathaniel himself is a Galilean from a city called Cana, only 15 miles north of Nazareth. And he seems to be asking, Philip, have you ever been to Nazareth? Have you ever heard of that place? Have you ever tasted the food from Nazareth? Have you ever visited the markets? Have you ever driven on the roads? Now you know there's a little sarcasm going on in this, right? Have you ever endured the weather? Have you ever breathed the air? Have you ever studied the economy? Have you, Philip, when's the last time you've ever heard somebody, you know, I've always had a dream to move to Nazareth. Have you ever drank the water? Can there any good thing come out of that place? If that is what Nathaniel meant, that is nothing more than a prejudiced, pessimistic, derogatory insult against the city itself. Or perhaps he was saying, there's no way someone as incredible as the Messiah would be associated with a place so obscure and inferior as Nazareth. That's not so much Nathaniel disparaging the city as it is Nathaniel doubting the Lord. Oh, I got you thinking. It's hard for me, Philip, to believe that God would send someone as wonderful as Christ through somewhere like Nazareth. Wouldn't it make much more sense for him to send him through Jerusalem? Or send him through Chorazin? Or send him through Capernaum? I mean, think about it, Philip. If God were to send his own son to earth, God wouldn't have him born through some lonely virgin girl, would he? No, through a rich and royal lady of honor, certainly. And think about it, Philip. If God were to send his son to earth, he wouldn't have him born in some manger behind some unknown inn, would he? No, he'd have him born in the palace of David himself. And if God were to introduce his own son to the world, would he ride in on a donkey? No, 
he'd ride in on a white horse. So it's just hard for me to believe that he would come through Nazareth of all places. It's hard for me to believe that God, the great God that we serve, would use such base things of the world to accomplish his work. Perhaps that's what Nathaniel meant. Perhaps he meant both. Either way, it's a flawed mindset. Now, how do I know that? Because Jesus was the Christ. He was the king. He was the son of God. He was the one of whom Moses and the prophets wrote about. He was the Messiah. He was the connection between. You already know where I'm going, don't you, Brother Mark? He's he's just smirking and laughing the entire time. He was the connection between God and man. He was the ladder between heaven and earth. Philip and Nathaniel's greatest opportunity to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords was made possible through the personal presence of Jesus Christ. And he came from Nazareth. Which means God must not have cared much about how much of a dump Nazareth was. And it means God's high and holy work is not damaged by using low and unlikely places. God must not have cared about the condition of Nazareth's roads. He must not have cared about the ratings of Nazareth's restaurants or the lack of Nazareth's restaurants. He must not have cared about the standing of Nazareth's politics or the state of Nazareth's economy or the forecasts of Nazareth's weather or the lack of Nazareth's scenery because he still chose to send the king the lamb, his darling son, the Messiah, he still chose to send him through that place. Now let me say this. Jesus' presence in Nazareth didn't undo its reputation, and it didn't fix its roads, and it didn't update its restaurants, it didn't clean up its politics, it didn't change its economy, it didn't make its weather more desirable, it didn't make its scenery more desirable either. But don't you agree that even if all Nazareth ever gave the world was play a role in giving man an opportunity to serve the king, it was a beautiful place indeed. And when you think of it that way, Nazareth has more to offer than Babylon even with all its grandeur, and Egypt, even with all its technology, and Greece, even with all its democracy, and Hawaii, even with all of its weather, and Dubai, even with all of its riches, and Switzerland, with all of its beauty. Now, church, I love you, and I hope you know that. I'm a human being like you are. I am bothered by the construction and the potholes like anybody else's. I catch myself wishing for an In-N-Out burger and Red Robin. Go ahead, chime in. What else, are we, what else, what else would we like? Panera. Panera bread, noodles and company. Yes. 
Oh, we have, we have one. It's called Dollar Tree, where everything's $1.50 now. Or Five Below, where everything is $5 and below, except when it's not. Hey, I catch myself wanting a Ruth's Chris Steakhouse and wanting a Top Golf, and even wanting an Ikea sometimes, and wanting a Costco, and all those things. I, I catch myself wanting all those things. I am discouraged by the corruption of our politics just like you. I'm upset about the costs of gas, and the costs of groceries, and the costs of property taxes just like you. I find myself just stressed out by the summer heat and humidity. Nobody told me Texas was hot. and wet, where you take a shower on Monday and by Friday you're still not dry. Nobody told me that. And I'm stifled by it just like you are. I wish we had crystal cool rivers and placid lakes and snow-covered mountains in the horizon. I wish that we had all those things. I wish we could see the northern lights. I wish we could have hills to break up the monotony. My dog ran away five days ago and I still see it running. I wish we had some of that. I wish we had soft grass. I wish we had bigger trees. I, I, I'm, I'm in with all of that. And there was a time when I asked myself, can there anything good come out of Corpus Christi? And I've heard many of you say it as well. Don't get me started on Corpus Christi. I hate this place. I'd leave, but God won't let me. The only reason I'm here is because of this. I've never heard anybody say, oh, can't wait to retire and move to Corpus. <laughs> you have to be insane in order to do it. This city leaves much to be desired. There's a reason why, I've heard this, there's a reason why you meet very few people who grew up here. They get out as soon as they can. Can any good thing come out of Corpus Christi? Yes, Jesus is here. We may not have the greatest roads. We may not have the finest restaurants. We may not have the finest politics or the strongest economy or the nicest weather or the prettiest scenery. But I've been to many other places that have all of those things, but they do not have the opportunity that we have to serve the Lord of Lords and King of Kings the way that we do here. And as long as we have this flawed mindset that Corpus Christi is such a dump, no good could ever come from here or that God would never associate himself, or that God's high and holy work cannot, uh, that God could not accomplish such a high and holy work in such a lowly and unlikely place. As long as you have that mindset, you will struggle. You will struggle to minister with joy and with longevity. Nathaniel just couldn't believe that anything good could come out of a place like Nazareth. And I see the same belief in some of you. And all I do is say the same thing that Philip said to Nathaniel. Come and see. Open your eyes and see for yourself. Nathaniel did. And the same lips that asked, can any good thing come out of Nazareth, ended up saying, 
Thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Just a little bit later. I'm challenging you tonight to see beyond the problems of this city and see the potential in this city. Are you going to spend your days here looking over the fence at some city that might have less problems but also has much less opportunity to serve the Lord. You can do that if you want. You can, you can look over the fence if you want, but let me remind you, no matter where you are, there will always be another side with greener grass. And that means if you move to the other side, there will be another side that has greener grass. And if you move, it's not going to slake your lust to always want to look at the other side. And the other side may be greener. Might be because it's a dumping ground, a sewage, a sewage leak. And while you're complaining about where you are, somebody else would love to be where you are. Many more people have ruined their lives by moving to the other side than by staying put. If you ever move to the other side and you find out you shouldn't have, move back. But instead of moving to the other side because the grass is greener over there, why don't you just water the grass where you are? God is not limited by geography. Divine power is not negated by an earthly place. And a place's reputation does not disqualify it from God ever working there. And while Alaska can say, we've got mountains, and Las Vegas can say, we've got entertainment, and Paris can say, we have great restaurants, and New York can say, we have great opportunity, and some other city can say, the banks are full, and some other city can say, the market is hot, and some other city can say the food is amazing. And some other city can say the entertainment is unmatched. I'd rather be able to say the fields are white. Hey. 315,000 souls live within a 20-minute drive of this place. And God is so evidently working to reach them. Come and see. Open your eyes. See for yourself. Take your eyes off the problems for a little bit and look on the potential and take advantage of this great opportunity that we have to serve the Lord here. You may just, wait, you may just fall in love with this place. And you may just have fun while you do it. I'm telling you, I remember the day when I prayed for the Lord to change my heart, change my view of Corpus Christi. And it didn't take him long to answer that prayer. I think he was just waiting for me to ask. And I challenge you to do the same. 
Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.